Also, Mr. Henderson, definitely one of the best TV dads. Absolutely. Speak on it. Speak on it. One of (laughs) the best. I was so impressed with him on the rewatch. everyone this is alex and this is em welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is the podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. On today's episode, we'll be going back to the late 90s to discuss one of the WB's few Black sitcoms, Smart Guy. Set in Washington, D.C., this series centers a 10-year-old prodigy who is advanced several grades and placed in the 10th grade, attending the same high school as his older siblings. While the premise was a bit unusual, Smart Guy had all the trappings of the classic family sitcom and enjoyed a brief but successful run on the WB, as well as syndication on seven other networks globally. So what exactly made Smart Guy so entertaining? Stay tuned. So here's some details about Smart Guy. This is a sitcom, a genuine sitcom created by Danny Callis. It aired from March or excuse me, it released it was released from March 26, 1997 through May 16, 1999, but it continues to be aired. Um, it originally aired on the WB for 3 seasons and a total of 51 episodes. The series stars Taj Maori as TJ Henderson, our protagonist, Jason Weaver as Marcus Henderson, TJ's older brother, who is in the same grade that he gets advanced to. Essence Atkins as Tasha Yvette Henderson, better known as Yvette, um, who is TJ's older older sister and the eldest Henderson sibling. John Marshall Jones as Floyd Henderson, TJ's father. Omar Gooding as Morris L. Tibbs, a.k.a. Moe, Marcus's best friend. Tinsley Grimes as Nina Walsh, Yvette's season three best friend. And Dan Florick as Coach Gerber, the the gym teacher and basketball coach. These are our major players, although Smart Guy has a pretty impressive um, laundry list of guest stars for all three seasons. So let's... Yes, yes. Oh, no, I was about to say, like, I've noticed all the Black sitcoms have, like, the most intense guest stars. 
this. Like, girl, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. <laughs> so let's talk about season one. Season one was very, very short. It's very clear that they're trying to just give this show a, a chance. Now, for those who aren't aware, Taj Maori is the younger brother of um, Tia and Tamara Maori, who at this point were already household names because of sister, sister. But Taj himself hadn't, didn't really have anything heavy in his resume, nothing that would warrant him um, being a protagonist on his own sitcom, for sure. I absolutely believe that they were willing to give him a chance based on his professionalism and the Maori name, but obviously they didn't want to invest too much in case it was a flop. So that's why season two, season one is so short. It's only seven episodes, but the next two are 22 episodes long. So clearly this was the experiment season. <laughs> right. And, you know, even beyond Taj, I, it's interesting. Um, there's just so much great talent on this show. You have Jason Weaver, who is, um, the original singing uh, voice for Simba in The Lion King, right? When he was right. very young. Even out you, here, he's a real child star. Star. <laughs> and then you have uh, Essence Atkins, who would go on to be another sort of iconic staple figure in, in you know, Black sitcom television history. Right, right. And she she enjoyed her, her fair share of, like, you know, um, Black blockbusters as well i mean she was in how high she was one of the sisters in deliver us from eva which was also a really successful black film so um we do have like some really big names and um who plays the father again it is john marshall jones even if you don't know that name you know that face he's been around he's been around <laughs> for a long yeah. time for a long time so let's talk about that first season again it's seven episodes we we meet tj he's 10 years old he should be going into from fourth grade to fifth grade but he's promoted right from fourth grade to 10th grade that's the same grade that his brother marcus is in their sister yvette is in the 11th grade and he's attending their high school which is piedmont high school now um because this is like a true blue sitcom um it must be understood that Piedmont High School, like that same backdrop, is used so many times over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, See, so, watch Boy Meets World. It's literally the same set. Like Disney yeah. didn't change it. <laughs> I mean, listen, you gotta you gotta trim that budget where you can. You gotta do what you can and save this money. Um, so yeah, it is the same high school um, that we saw in Boy Meets World, which preceded this show and then we see that same set again in the disney channel spinoff series Corey in the house which follows raven's brother Corey. um they just keep using it <laughs> they do and like and we also actually see it again in um lizzie we don't see the the set that they're like walking on but the the exterior um like whenever they do the master shots to like go to let the audience know that we're heading back to the school and like you see the exterior of the school when Lizzie would have those like snapshots of like the school of the exterior of the school that she went to it's the same exterior so they're using it like across it was like a little editing trick but like they're using it like across several shows Oh, I didn't, I, yeah, I, that was never listed. So I didn't know that, but good eye. I did not, I did not pick that up. <laughs> um, 
but we, we, we get them to this high school, Piedmont High School. Now, the show is set in Washington, D.C., um, which is probably why they use they use it, because um, That's So Raven and Boy Meets World, by FYI, are also set in the D.C. area or D.C. adjacent. Um, mm. uh, so he's into this high school with his older siblings. Now, in typical spinoff fashion, all of these episodes are one-offs. We're just trying to get to know TJ and the Henderson family and his adjustment in high school, because, yes, he's very intelligent, but he's not mature. He's still a child. He's 10 years old. One of the things I really love about this show and the way they portray the TJ character is that they don't give him this like unreal level of maturity. Maturity comes with life experience and self-awareness that a 10-year-old child simply is not going to have. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah, I love that too as well. Uh, you know, we in the pilot episode, we really see TJ... Um, trying to adjust to like, you know, what is it that you do in 10th grade and how the kids act? Like just because he's, he can get the material academically. It, it's actually really difficult for him because he, socially it, it is a hard adjustment. Right, right, right. And, um, you know, there are lots of things that would make it hard for someone to adjust. If you're neuroatypical, um, for instance, if you have autism or you're on the ADHD spectrum, that can make it difficult, right? But what's less talked about, especially with children, is that different age groups is a world of difference, right? TJ is only like five or six years younger than his brother Marcus. But when you're a kid, that's like a world away. Like, Nine and 14, for example, is like a lifetime as far as maturity and the, the social rules of how to navigate, right? Right. He's kind of just thrown into the deep end of the ocean and has to like learn to sink or swim basically in this new environment. It's really, really, really cool to watch. And again, um, we have to talk about these guest stars. Season one had them packed. I think they, they, we actually had more of these bigger names in season one than in any other season. They just crammed them in there. We have Venus DeMilo Thomas, who's best known as the black girl from Salute Your Shorts, um, one of Nickelodeon's original sitcoms um, or, uh, or teen series. Um, we have Anne Marie Johnson, who was like a staple of 80s and 90s TV and television. Um, Taja's sisters, Tia and Tam Tamara Maori, guest star in this first season. Kenya Moore was on this season. Gabrielle Union. Christopher Reed, a.k.a. Kid of Kid and Play, Christina Milian, Wesley Jonathan, uh, Kayla Pratt, or Kyla Pratt, excuse me, Naya Rivera, Bianca Lawson, and Ashley Tisdale all make an appearance in this I know. Season. So many, like, people who would go on to, like, have these really great epic careers. Um, and then, you know, obviously, rest in peace, Naya. Right. Um, Everybody here was either great then or they're great now, period. Um, but let's get into some of these. Are there any particular episodes that like stand out for you or like stories from some of the episodes that stand out for you in season one? Oh, absolutely. I love the pilot episode. Again, you know how I feel about pilots. They have to set the tone. And this pilot does a really good job of setting that tone. It's a comedy, but we are supposed to have like a lesson or like a moral at the end of every episode. And it's set up that way from the beginning. We learn about TJ's family. His dad is um, a widower. 
and he's raising three kids alone. This is something that they do in most sitcoms, but especially black ones. They always show that the single parent is a widow or widower. The only exception to this rule that I can think of is the 90s sitcom Thea, where she was a single mom because she was divorced. And that was like a huge deal that Thea was divorced because it was definitely breaking that tradition. But Mr. Henderson is a widower. He's raising these three kids. We They have a really great chemistry. Taj, Jason, and um, Essence, I think, have really great sibling energy. They, they feel like real siblings to me. I love Marcus and Moe's relationship. I think that the first that first episode really set everything into motion. The Code, episode two, where TJ learns about, you know, the code of not snitching, but why it's important to do the right thing, I think is really, really good. I really love the episode where Gabrielle Union stars Don't Do That Thing You Do, which is a reference to the movie That Thing You Do. Um, mm-hmm. I love all the episodes in, in the first season, to be very honest. It's hard to pick just one because I think knowing that they had the seven episodes to prove themselves, they really went all out. Right. Um, I mean, I agree. I agree. They they went all out. And I mean, this when you're watching it, the, the series is an instant classic. And the way they do that is, um, I think you've already said it, by absolutely nailing this family dynamic. Also, Mr. Henderson, definitely one of the best TV dads. Absolutely. Speak on it. Speak on it. One of <laughs> the best. I was so impressed with him on the rewatch. Same. I was so impressed. Like he's so warm and like thoughtful and like doing the best for his kids. Um, and knows how to raise a daughter. <laughs> right. Oh, like, Oh, which we'll get into soon when we talk about the other seasons. So when some, so I do want to talk about some other things just like that are sort of not anything, um, good or bad observations uh, that definitely will be taking into the next season as we get deeper into some of these stories and these plot lines and things to consider. So something I, on the rewatch that I thought was really interesting was they'll talk about the, they won't talk about it, but it'll sort of, it'll be communicated to the audience in sort of different ways that this is like a working class um, black family. They're definitely working class Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's an episode in later seasons where like TJ is worried about money um, because he knows that his dad is struggling, right? Right, and then and everybody has to go get jobs because like he can't like afford all their sort of extra stuff that they want. Uh, by the way, there's also like a line in here about how Jordans cost like $150, which is crazy to me because like Jordans start at like $300 now. Um, Listen, inflation. Inflation. It's real. Um, Also, something I found really interesting was how, like, you know, colorism is something that we're thinking about more and more. It's interesting how to me how, like, everyone's light except for, like, uh, Marcus. Right. I mean, I feel some kind of way about that. For me, this implies that the mother, the deceased mother, was also dark because the rest of the family matches, right? Floyd, Mm -hmm. Yvette, and TJ are all, like, high yellow. (laughs) So, so I'm just like, I mean, at least they match. Because what I have noticed and what's the general theme is that, yeah, the oldest daughter will be light-skinned. And the the sons are allowed to be medium complexion or dark. But the father is always dark. 
the father's always like a dark skinned man. Right. Which is not the case in this, in this family. It's like, he's also him and TJ are like maybe one or one shade away from each other. Um, Right. Now, Essence Atkins and Taj Maori are biracial. Um, I'm not sure about uh, John Marshall Jones, but they are. And this is, um, you know, for better or worse, um, also a fixture in black TV where you will have biracial um, actors play monoracial characters. That's like a thing. It's been a right. thing since the beginning of time. Time. Um, um, what I, I will give the show some credit. We did, sh- we did see some like shade variety with the guest characters and with some of the auxiliary characters. Right. Um, I mean, I appreciated that, you know, some of TJ's love interests were like Kyla Pratt, um, who is, oh. who's, huh? Oh, I was going to say, I was going to say very quickly, uh, this is also a staple of 90s TV. Kyla Pratt actually plays two different characters on this show. Yeah. (laughs) When when we meet her in season one, she plays a character named Lily Sims. But when we meet her in, but her character from season two onward is Brandy Dixon. So this was a thing they used to do in the 90s and 80s as well, where they would like introduce a character played by an actor. You don't see that character, that actor for a while. And they would reintroduce him as a completely different character. I guess trying to save budget or trying to use the same actors because they already know the chemistry that those actors have together. And it's cheaper than auditioning a new person. Um, But that's the deal. She got, she got herself a few paychecks on smart guy for two different people. And you could, right. Because like, this was airing on television, right? So the right. because of the huge breaks in between seasons or whatever, nobody quite remembers. <laughs> right. We didn't we didn't used to have mid-season finales back then, but what what they used to do is um make these seasons just like ridiculously long because se- like shows, regular shows aren't even 22 episodes anymore like your dramas and your crime shows aren't even 22 episodes anymore so your sitcoms are definitely not 22 episodes anymore you're gonna forget especially since it's not a serial how would you why would you remember this girl you have no reason to remember her right exactly like people i mean i guess just to reiterate you know the idea of a serial and the idea of um, th- this this idea where all these episodes connect in some sort of serial way is still like a really new concept. Um, <laughs> it's still like very very new. We're talking about like um, two thousand and like two new. Like that's how new it is. Um, uh, so you know when we talk about some of these older shows, that's pr- mo- probably how like all th- that's how this stuff is gonna go. Um, or you'll see some of these like sort of quirks more often, but um, season one, what are we, what are we t- giving season one? I thought season one was very excellent. I, it, 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 it met all my expectations. It was actually even more enjoyable on the rewatch. Cause now that I'm a little bit older, I feel like um, I'm understanding the point of view of, of uh, Floyd and TJ's teachers a little bit more. And that gives the show new dimension to me, but yeah, it's still a great show. What about you? Yeah, same. I'm giving it like a solid, solid, good, great. Even um, it's so much joy. <laughs> like there's, I guess also part of it. Cause it's so joyful. 
But, like, these situations are really good. I like all of these actors. I like their performances. And I love um, the stories. Uh, I think these stories are great. I think they're tight. And so I also think a lot of these jokes and, and are, are really clever. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, season two, basically, <laughs> the show had basically proved itself that it was a hit that it could get the ratings at this point. So they gave it a 22-episode order for season two. And season two is also the season where Omari Gooding, who plays Mo, went from a recurring character to a series regular. You know, you always need that auxiliary character who's not, like, part of the the sitcom family to, to, to lighten the mood. For shows like Family Matters, for example, it was Waldo, um, Eddie's best friend. <laughs> Mo's character sort of occupies this sort of goofy sort of next door neighbor character which we see a lot in sitcoms and we'll see again when we talk about other sitcoms but what I really love about these next door neighbor teen characters that sort of show up particularly in black sitcoms is that I think it speaks to something that black people have always done like and I don't think it's intentional. I don't think this is something that's intentional by whoever, like, did this show. But it does speak to something that Black people do, like, uh, communally, and is that, like, they help raise each other's kids, <laughs> like, um, mm-hmm. in these sort of informal ways. And that's what I always love about, I think, that that type of character. It's no different on Smart Guy. Right, right, right. That This is pretty much a staple with Black families. Um I used to see it in white sitcoms and white um, family shows, ironically enough, um, that were set in like, you know, the early 90s and prior. We don't really see that on white shows anymore. Right. But we absolutely still see like black families, you know, basically um, informally adopting or or um, providing a safe environment for their children's friends. And I know that's a pretty big thing in Caribbean culture as well. Like, if you invite your friend over to your house and it's dinner time, everybody's eating. Right. Your friend doesn't go home for dinner. <laughs> like, they're eating here. <laughs> you're here, it's dinner, you're eating, sit. Um, but no, it's it's super interesting looking back on that and how, you know, how much white television in particular has changed. Because I think the last time I saw that on a white sitcom was probably the the Kimmy Gibbler character on Full House. Mm, interesting. I was going to say, like, the, I think Sean is the last example I can think of. And even then, Oh, no, it's you're so- right. That's more recent. Sean from um, Boy Meets World? Yeah. Like, yeah. Sean is the last example I can think of. And even Sean, it's like, uh, it's like half and half because the Matthews, like, really, when Sean is going through some really intense things, like, the Matthews do not intervene in the way that I feel like they should intervene. But, like, we'll get Game. into that. We'll talk about that when we we'll actually talk about more Boy, Boy Meets World. World. But, uh, <laughs> So let's get into the second season. Second season, I feel, honestly, it held up. It kept the promises that I feel the show made on the first season. It was still smart. It was still funny. And because they had all these, and they had all these extra episodes to work with now, but I don't think they dropped the ball. We got deeper into Marcus, Mo, and Yvette's personalities and not just TJ, we got more into Floyd and, you know, being a working single father. We even talked more about 
um, their coach, Coach Gerber, like this is the season where Coach Gerber gets a divorce. And we later find out that Coach Gerber has to sleep in his office because with alimony payments, he can't even afford his own place anymore. Right, right. Um, Yeah, that season two hits the ground running and goes hard. And furthermore, even starts delving into some more interesting topics and fascinating ideas that aren't present on like a Lizzie McGuire or even a Boy Meets World, to be honest, which I loved. So one of the episodes that I particularly that stood out to me that I wanted to talk about was when TJ goes to work. TJ basically is recruited by this uh, like digital software company. And it's super old because they're talking about like DVDs (laughs) and DVD players. (laughs) That's how you know this thing is like dated. But it's fascinating because I feel like um, because TJ obviously is 10, but like he gets his own. But they're so impressed with him that he gets his own office and uh, his own secretary. And, you know, at this That's young- a major flex. <laughs> right? It's a major flex. And the first thing that happens is that, like, this white colleague sort of walks in and he's like, TJ, you know, don't tell anybody about your ideas. Just sort of, like, tell me about them. And, and I'll make sure that, you know, they get to the right people. And I'm like, wow, look at Smart Guy talking about, like, racist, like, white people and, like, corporate culture and capitalism. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we're really just going there, I guess. Child exploitation. There's so yes. many themes in just that one conversation. conversation. Because he knows he, he, the only reason he's doing this shit is because that's a child and he, he's betting on him not understanding how the corporate hierarchy works. Right. Right. Um, and I thought, and I, the reason why I love the episode is that like, like you, I said it, like you said, and like I said, it's talking about all those things, but then, like you touched on it, it is also an episode that's low key about how people will exploit gifted children. Um, Cause that's essentially what happens in the episode. They start working TJ, like he's an actual adult versus a child, which Floyd then has to like intervene and be like, okay, you're not going to do this. Like you still need to show up at my basketball game and do your homework. And, um, you know, hang out with your friends uh, and all this other stuff that's really, really important for his uh, maturation socially. Right. I think one of the things that I love about Floyd, um, there's a lot of things that I love about Floyd Henderson before I, I say anything else. But one of the things I love about him so much is how he treats his children as individuals. I think a lot of parents try to raise their kids the same way. And that's good to an extent. Um, You don't want to be playing favorites out here. But I think Floyd is one of the best examples of why it's equally important to take a child's personality as well as their strengths and their weaknesses into consideration when you're dealing with them. He knows his kids very well. And he deals with them on the level that he feels that they can understand and appreciate. And he, being an adult, having that life experience, having that self-awareness, understands that TJ lacks these things, no matter how high his IQ is. So he always works in his, with his son, not necessarily to um, 
to diminish his opportunities because he wants TJ to have TJ to have all the opportunities in the world, but he works in a way to try to open his eyes to situa situations where he might be exploited or taken advantage of because he knows he can see things that TJ can't. Right. Exactly. Another thing is that, like you said, we get more into Marcus and Yvette's lives this season. There's a really excellent and fascinating episode about Yvette this season, um, this storyline. And it it's the, I think it's the A plot in the whole uh, episode, but there's an episode where Yvette is being harassed by a boy at school. Um, he's, he's harassing her. He's sexually harassing her and she can't like shake him. And so in order to uh, get him sort of get him off her back, she enlists Mo's help. Um, and she has Mo pretend to be her boyfriend so that this guy will stop harassing her. So already fascinating, 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 fascinating in that it's crazy to me that like a, like this show or like this type of show would even address or think about how the ways that girls get harassed as young as like high school. Right. Mm -hmm. Or younger, definitely younger in my case, I've had to do what she did, unfortunately. And it was not cute. So when Mo pretends to, and then when Mo pretends to be her boyfriend, you know, it's, it's all fun and games. And then Mo like catches feelings. Um, and then when, but then Yvette like rejects him and he takes it in stride. And I was like, wow, how wonderful. Like, look at, that. Look at a man not complaining about being friend zoned. <laughs> like, it, cause I just feel like we've just seen so much less in like sitcoms. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I'm thinking about so many, like, in Moesha, that would have never gone like that. Like, if it had been like Hakeem, Hakeem would have then like felt a type of way about being rejected. You know what I mean? Hakeem lived in his damn feelings. Um, and I mean, the premise, the literal premise of Family Matters was the boy who doesn't, who can't take rejection, right? Right. <laughs> um, and a part of the reason why I love this episode is like, when Mo ultimately gets rejected, like, of course, Mo, like, he liked her. So, like, he does, like, feel like, oh, this sucks. But he does it in private away from her and doesn't, like, put his, his like, rejected feelings on her. And then... Right. He doesn't and make then, her responsible for his feelings. That's... Right. It's so big. Like, and then, um, and then two seconds later, he's like, eh, whatever. Like, it's it's chill. And I, rem and I just, like, watched and I was like why can't this like keep being a thing? Like, how is it that this is the only show I've ever seen it play out like this? <laughs> oh, oh, life. I completely agree with all of that. I think it was so well handled. I think it was so ahead of its time, even though it wasn't long overdue. It was so ahead of its time because I feel like there are many modern shows that are still not handling it this well. Too many shows try to make the girl responsible for the boy's hurt feelings. Family Matters lived off of that. He'd be all hurt and wounded and Laura would feel guilty. So many shows thrive on punishing a girl for not accepting the nice guy by then putting her in a situation where the guy she does pick ends up being a danger to her. Right? Right. 
Um, so this was really refreshing. I had completely forgotten about this episode, but on on the rewatch, I was like, wow, they really did that. Same. I was like, wow, like they really, really did that. Like, shout out to them. Like, um, <laughs> wow. Like, I couldn't believe it. Um, so. something else that takes place in that episode, though, is also this sort of weird, weird plot line where um Marcus is getting bad grades in school or like he's he gets average grades um and Floyd and so Floyd is like do you want to like work or like well what are you going to do when you leave high school like are you going to get out here and and work and Marcus is like yeah like why not and so Floyd gives him a job in his like roofing company and Marcus like loves it and takes to it really, really easily. And then um, Marcus is like, yeah, I could do this, like, for the rest of my life. Like, this is fine. And Floyd then lies about how much he pays his workers in order to get Marcus to do things, like, quote-unquote, do better in school and go to college. And I just thought that was, like, weird. It was really weird. It was so unnecessary. But... I do feel like that episode is important because for me, it's a bit of a time capsule to how parents thought and how parents raised their children at the time and black community in general, Floyd owns his own company and he makes a good living. Um, most of the time, you know, obviously, like we said, he is working class, but he comes from a generation that pushed this idea that a college education was the key to securing a future. And it's kind of ironic looking back because Yvette and Marcus are like older millennials, young Gen Z. So that actually isn't real for them. That that promise of their father and all their teachers growing up isn't real. But we actually had to live that to figure that out, right? Right, because that's it, true. Because it, it worked. It worked for Gen X, it worked for boomers, it worked for everybody else. So this idea of pushing your kid, even lying to them in order to make them see college as a real path because you want them to have more than you had, um, that is a very, very real uh, standpoint. It's very, very, for me, it reminds me so much of all of my teachers and all of my aunts and uncles and my mom growing up. With this idea fixed in their mind that this was the only way out they weren't lying to us they couldn't have foreseen this either you know um so watching that episode was kind of bittersweet because when you think about it had he learned a trade roofing marcus would probably be doing very well right <laughs> in this current in this current economy right all those people who are like welders and roofers and and plumbers like shout out to y'all y'all are out here smooth living doing living. it living electricians the plumbers shout out to you i know plumbers make real good money too shout out mm -hmm. to you guys um but let's talk about some of the guest stars in this season so we our guest star list wasn't as vast but we did see liz torres best known as playing gilmore girls's miss patty taraji p henson comes yeah. through Reagan Preston Gomez, and this won't be her last time. Uh, Dulé Hill, who's best known for Psych and The West Wing. Kyla Pratt shows up again uh, as the second character, um, um, different from her season one character. And so we kind of get this. Um, and 
and obviously um, the Yvette character as well has a rotating door of friends in season one and two. The bestie Nina doesn't show up till season three. So until then, we always see like her with a different girlfriend on her arm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I love that episode with uh, Kyla Pratt this season, the Brandy character. The Brandy character is so cool, and the whole the the romantic promise or romantic tension between her and TJ is super duper cute, and I think very well executed. Same, same, um, and I love once again the uh, the best TV dad um, is Mr. Henderson, just because of how he even deals with Brandy and and TJ trying to change himself for Brandy and. And that whole storyline, because that whole storyline could have gone so left in so many ways. And Girl. <laughs> they execute it so, they execute it perfectly without, like, I was like, oh shit, there was a black show on television that didn't like, that could do this storyline and not fall into sort of respectability politics. I, I almost couldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be real with you. I know Mr. Mitchell has us feeling some type of way, but I had to really sit and think about all the sitcoms and family dramas that I grew up on. And he's honestly in the top three worst. There were actually quite a few really good TV dads, black TV dads too. Um, Mr. Henderson was great. The dad from 227 was great. Um, Gosh, um, there was just so many really great, sitcom dads like sitcoms were actually where i saw like black dads thriving and then mr mitchell had to ruin it for everybody (laughs) you know and i i'm trying to understand the response like why why and i think it's and you know what i feel like people who liked mr mitchell were also the people who liked the the 99 like the 90s crime bill by like bill clinton like those tough on those tough on crime blacks like this idea that like if you black people who use the term black on black crime unironically oh yeah those people like he must have been for them like there's no other reading of that like i just don't there can't be because the way he's so he's so violent like he's so violent and for no reason he doesn't and it's hard it's not hard but it is interesting to see um, smart guy, which isn't, I mean, which doesn't like belittle, I think the, the lesser quote unquote lesser achieving kids. Cause you know, TJ is also obviously a prodigy. And then Yvette is like smart and Yvette is like also a clearly on her grade level, but she's also ahead in a lot of ways. Right. Because there are all these episodes that we get of her this season where she's like, reading a lot of like black feminist thought and she's like thinking about social issues. Right. That is like the ordinary smart kid and TJ is the extraordinary smart kid. Right. And then you have uh, Marcus who's like average and you know, a Marcus would be heavily punished by uh, Moesha's dad. Like he would be someone who was just really, and even I think the show Moesha would punish him, but on smart guy, he's just sort of like, yeah, Marcus is like normal. Like he's just normal and they don't, you know, crucify him for being normal. And I, 
I don't know. It's like, I don't know. There's just a lot there to meditate on. <laughs> right. Um, and obviously by normal, you mean average. Right. And I think that is the crux of the difference, the key differences between Floyd Henderson and Frank Mitchell. Frank ain't here for average. And more importantly, he's not here for any type of individuality or straying from his plan either. You are going to be punished for being below average. You are going to be punished for being an individual. You are going to be punished for not meeting his expectations. Not any real disobedience or like behavioral infractions, just not meeting Frank's standards. And so, you know, what I said earlier about one of the things I loved about Floyd being how he accepted their kids for who they are and met them where they were at. Frank Mitchell's like my 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 chief uh objection to him is how he didn't really see his kids. He saw what he wanted and projected that upon them and then when they failed to meet his standard of whatever of personality, of intellect, whatever it is, they would be punished for that. Right. Like yeah. Frank Mitchell is a is like a straight up narcissistic parent. <laughs> he is like and, and I mean, we'll talk about it more uh, when we get to Moesha. But, um, well, before we, we give our final thoughts, um, do you have favorite episodes of this season? I do. Um, I really love episode two, Working Guy. Episode three, Below the Rim, which is a cute um, <laughs> name. Episode six, Trial and Error. Uh, episode eight, Book Smart. That's an episode that is actually kind of weird. Like, it's interesting because it's definitely, there's like a race element there. Basically, TJ like challenges his teachers on like the information that they're teaching to him. Um, and it's not heavily explored, but it's it's definitely there. There's a tension that's really great. Uh, episode nine, The Dating Game. Episode 15, Bad Boy. Episode 19, Strangers on the Net. Episode 20, Gotta Dance. This is where, like, TJ decides he wants to be, like, a tap dancer. That's really funny. Um, mm-hmm. And then episode 22, My Two Dads. Right. Um, I don't remember what episode this is per- specifically, but I do love that season two kind of, you know, uses a few episodes to show us that TJ is not great at everything just because he's smart. Mm, um, yes. I really, really love the season for that because this is generally the case. You're not going to be an overachiever or exceptionally gifted at everything. And I also love that this season shows us that the other Henderson kids have their own gifts. Marcus and Mo are in a band and Marcus is like a really good singer. Right. And yes, I love that like season two and they'll do this again in season three utilized, um, Jason Weaver's incredible, incredible singing talent. I love that they uh, incorporated that more in the 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 last two seasons. Yeah, I really, really love that. Um, but let's talk about my favorite episodes. Um, uh, Working Guy was one of my favorites. Um, obviously, a uh, play on the the film title Working Girl. Dumbstruck episode five is a really good one. Um, I just I love these titles, by the way. Um, they're so cute. See episode nine, the dating game. Episode ten, love letters. This was a really cute um, episode because TJ was on his uh, Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, <laughs> he was this one. 
He really was. Um, and this is the first time we see Reagan Preston Gomez on the series. She was currently playing Zaria Peterson on The Parenthood at the time, which was another WB black, black sitcom. WB had black, black sitcoms at one point. That was the golden <laughs> age. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Men Working Badly was a good episode. And Bad Boy episode 15 like i said i love the whole season but those are the ones that stand out to me you can just like chill you know your blood pressure is not high you know don't have any hypertension you're not anxious and stressed out on you know where the series is going you just sit, kick back and enjoy right there's like a real breezy quality to these episodes and these stories and it's nice to see it be so breezy but um the show still tackle like hard ideas and, and hard episodes, but um, be able to resolve them in a way that feels satisfying. I love how the show emphasizes on him learning, even though he's supposedly really, really, really smart, but like he's learning about people, right? He's learning about morals and ethics and life, things that he can't learn from books. Right. Exactly. And and it's all done so, so well, so wonderfully. Um, and I really, I appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's something that doesn't come through. I think any, I don't, I'm trying to think of like, oh, um, it's something that doesn't come through in like modern day sitcoms. Like that's not a thing. Yeah. So season two, season two is another good, solid, good, really good episodes good stories good lessons i agree i thought season two was also great and i actually like the fact that they used less less get fewer guest stars to prove that to prove that it wasn't just like the hype of all these guest stars that was getting them on and focus more on their principal cast it was just a really great season season three was unfortunately the last season it was also 22 episodes let's get into it Right. So season three, season three is the last season, but once again, another incredibly strong season. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so this season, I think it continues doing what they were doing in the previous one, which is like just really getting deep into these characters. To, once again, taking on heavier topics. Um, this season we have like our first sort of like, true blue like racism episode i liked it honestly these very special race episodes are trash 9.8 times out of 10 but they did what they had to do with this one i don't like a lot of race episodes i think i liked the race episode or the race talk episode on um parenthood the nbc show that we reviewed back in the family season season three and i like this one and that is it everybody else should just really stop doing race episodes please <laughs> i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna do them you have to execute them like like i think this one i think i really liked um i will say i did like this one and i think so let's go over and we'll we'll talk we'll talk it through so Basically what happens is like we like I mentioned earlier, um Marcus and Yvette and uh TJ, not TJ, because TJ gets, you know, he's the golden child, but um Marcus and Yvette sort of have their external things that they want, you know. 
Marcus wants these new Jordans. Yvette wants like this fancy new haircut. And um, Mr. Henderson is the greatest TV dad, but he's still a black TV dad. So he's like, y'all children better go out here and get some jobs and earn some money. <laughs> like, earn, get an after Do you job. have haircut money? <laughs> Do you have Jordan's money? Money. Um, and make it happen for yourselves. So um, that's what they do. So Marcus gets a job. Marcus gets a job doing something that I can't remember now. And Yvette gets a job at a clothing store. So Yvette gets this job at this clothing store and everything's fine until she catches her friend, her white friend, Nina, who was introduced this season, uh, following around black people in the store. And Yvette is like, what are you doing? And, <laughs> and Nina's like, um, the lady who hired us told me to watch all the black people in the store. And <laughs> I love how the lady who hired them knew better than to tell Yvette to do that. Mm. Mm. Um, and so Yvette, uh, so Yvette, uh, hears this and she goes to the manager lady and she's like, you told Nina to follow around black people and the gaslighting commences. <laughs> so she gives all of the, the manager who's a white lady gives, um, all of the, you know, the great white hits, like, you know, singles such as I hired you, didn't I? And, you know, the deep cuts of, well, black people just steal more. <laughs> so. And don't forget, like, the timeless classic. Um, it's not a race thing. Right. It's not a race thing. Um, <laughs> just imagining things. Just, you know, all the hits, all the hits. And so Yvette goes home and she tells, you know, her dad and, you know, Mr. Henderson is like, he's ready to go down to the mall and fuck up a white lady. Um, that's how real he is. He's not afraid of anybody. We stand. <laughs> and Yvette um, is like, no, I want to handle it myself. Cause which I really like that they take this turn. Like, Cause she's like, this is the sort of first real big life thing that's confronting her as a teenager, right? 16 year old, 17 year old. So she's like, no, I want to do this big life thing um, on my own. I, I want to prove, you know, I don't know how I'm going to handle it, but I'm going to handle it, which is great. And which I love cause um, Mr. Henderson lets her, he's like, okay. But, like, if you, I'm going to let you handle it, like, because he recognizes her age and her maturity, and he's like, okay, but if it goes wrong, let me know. Right. So, so that comes up with this really great idea to put a hidden camera in the store and do, like, a social experiment where she has um, Mo come in, and Mo comes in, and the white lady follow and the white manager follows Mo all around the store. And while she's following Mo all around the store, she has her other white friend, their white friend, Danny. He's like another white character that gets introduced this season. Um, and he comes and steals all the things <laughs> and she doesn't catch it. Cause she's so busy following around Mo. Mm -hmm. So once Yvette, uh, once Yvette does all this stuff, she presents the video to her to, and she thinks, Yvette thinks like, okay, like I've given you proof of your bias. I have mm -hmm. it here. 
on videotape and she thinks it's going to change things. And the manager lady just looks at her and is like, no, <laughs> like I'm racist. Like I don't believe in sense. So, and it's debilitating because that goes home with her to her dad. And she's, you know, really shaken because she did the thing. You know what I mean? She did everything right. She gave her proof of her bias and it didn't change anything. And I like that because I think that is so true. And I think that's very poignant of racist systems and how racism works. You can do everything right as a black person and it's not going to change anything or, and oftentimes it doesn't change anything. Um, Right. And also worth noting, people aren't racist because they're stupid. You can't, you can't just teach people out of their racism. And I love that the show makes this point you know, people aren't racist because they haven't met the right black person who taught them about their biases in the right way. They're racist because they want to be. Right. And that's what's <laughs> wonderful. Um, uh, and granted, it ends on a happy note, right? In that um, the president of the of the corporation of the clothing store comes to the mall and the white woman, the white manager is following him around and he clocks her on it and he reveals himself to be the president of the store and he's a black man. So she ultimately- Hashtag gets- not your ordinary Negro. <laughs> <laughs> and she gets hers um, and she gets fired. But um, uh. Which is nice. I think that's like a realistic ending that that feels real to me um, and it's satisfying. But I, I it's one of the best race episodes, like still. It's very satisfying to me, too, um, that she got fired, but specifically that the, the manager or the, the head of the store was black because a lot of other shows like this, what they would do is they would she would get fired, but the owner of the store would just be a white person who's against racism. And the message there would be to Yvette, hashtag not all white people. Right, exactly. Um, and making the manager black um, shows us two things, that despite his money, he's not immune to profiling, right? Right. And also that he understands, um, you know, innately, the problem here it's not just uh, a matter of this woman abusing her authority the race issue is very real we're not going to sweep it under the rug we're not going to pretend that just because i'm the manager that um you know um and i'm firing this person that it minimized what they did which is what a lot of other shows would have done but that was a really great episode um and what I love, too, is this This episode was just another example that Floyd Henderson is definitely qualified to raise a black girl. <laughs> qualified. Stamp of approval. Qualified. <laughs> qualified. His, his resume is tight. But seriously, a Frank Mitchell, knowing how smart his daughter is, knowing how mature his daughter is, knowing how self-possessed she is, would have still gone down there and been like, I'm, I am man. Hear me roar. Right, right. And it's, ugh, 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 ugh. that's what it is. It's ugh. 
Um, yeah. Let's talk about some of our favorite episodes from this season. Obviously, that one was a great one. Um, but what about what other episodes in season three are really doing it for you? Um, you know, then we get one of the greatest episodes of all time, A Date with Destiny, which... <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Starring uh, uh. D4, the original D4, D4. original Beyonce, lineup, Calendria. Yes, I'm using her government name, Latavia <laughs> and Latoya. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's great. They get a whole episode. Uh, beyond like with the DC4, although Beyonce gets the most lines. Whatever. Um, like we didn't know that was gonna happen. <laughs> we didn't know that was gonna happen. <laughs> Matthew insured it. Um, but it's really cute. It's the whole thing about like Marcus is trying to get his demo tape to uh the girls so he can like make it for real. Um and they end up not to because there's this whole lesson about oh, all you really want to do is hang out with your friends and you don't want to have to work all the time and blah 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 blah. But it's really cute. They like all go to like a school dance and it's like a really, really cute, really self-possessed episode. They sing and I was like, oh, I forgot how amazing this original lineup is, like with the four parts. Mm-hmm. The, those four part harmonies really do hit, you guys. Oh, it's so mm-hmm. good. Kelly out here sounding like a whole gospel choir by herself. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love it. Uh, so there's that one, obviously. I love um, the Love Bug, uh, episode four. That's when they're trying to, like, um, they all sit in the car to win the car at the mall. Right, right, right. <laughs> and then they lose the car. But the way they lose the car is funny because dude tells them some sob story. And they find out that it was from an, he stole that line from an episode of Seventh Heaven, which was also <laughs> airing on the WB at the time. <laughs> right. That's hilarious. Um, um, Diary of a Mad School Girl is good, uh, which is basically like the Scream episode. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then I really love... Um, uh oh and then i really like um crushed that's funny and appropriate another another episode that could have gone so wrong where tj gets a crush on his school teacher mm-hmm. it could have been terrible could have been really bad it oh yeah that could have gone left could could have gone so left but it's so perfect because it's like no like she's too old for you tj it would be inappropriate. And like, she lets him down in like this really serious, but like really gentle way. It's really nice. Right. She, she is very kind about it, but not at all ambiguous. Right. She's <laughs> like, we, we appreciate, we appreciate. Thank you for not being a Mary Kay Laternal in these streets. In these streets. Um, uh, those are my favorites. I think my favorites would be episode one. She got game. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Episode three, Love Bug, that's a car contest episode. Um, episode five, that's my mama. This is the episode where Mo finds out that he's adopted. And unlike the sister-sister episode where they were searching for their birth mom and never found her, he found out that his mom was like a psychic in Delaware. And he like mended fences with his adoptive parents um, and understood like, you know, they love him. They love him very much. Um, 
episode six, a beating is fundamental. Um, episode nine, get a job. This is the episode we were talking about where, um, Yvette starts working at the mall and then Marcus and Mo, um, work as radio station hosts. Um, let's see. This episode is also significant because it's, it's an episode where Taj Mari was, was, did not, um, was not featured on the show at all, which is very, very rare for a protagonist on the show not to be in every single episode. But he wasn't in this episode. Oh, right. That's how you knew right. it was going to be extra special. Mm-hmm. A Date with Destiny. Great, great episode. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, from A to Double D. <laughs> Episode 14 was really funny. Um, and episode 15, Can't Buy Me, Love. Um, these are all great episodes. Um, and we had some great guest stars this season as well. Let me look at the list of guest stars one more time. We had um, Bianca Lawson again. We had Christina Milian again. We had Nye Rivera again. We had Shar Jackson, who was on Moesha at the time, or had just gotten off Moesha. I'm not really sure. We had Brendan Jefferson, who was one of Jason Weaver's co-stars back when the two of them were on the sitcom Thea together. Um, we had Venus DeMilo Thomas again. She went from a guest character in season one to a recurring character. Um, the Renita character. Um, of course, we had DC4. We had Kyla Pratt again. We had we had Dulé Hill again, who had also become a recurring character. Like, they did all the things, and I think they, they did them perfectly. Obviously, a sitcom can only go so deep. We're not supposed to be dramatic. We're not supposed to be uh, uh, super thought-provoking. You're not supposed to be thinking about the episode long after you've watched it. I think it told the line of having really significant things to talk about and great topics while still being a sitcom and a family sitcom very well. Same. I agree. Um, and then I want to... I do want to have like a quick sort of mention into... Um, because the show isn't perfect, but it's very good. Um, so one of the episodes you mentioned, A Beating is Fundamental. Um, there is, like, um, well, first of all, it's interesting because that A plot is, like, TJ meets another sort of TJ. Um, he meets another genius uh, in the form of Blake. And uh, Blake is... Well, TJ calls him a Clarence Thomas wannabe, so I feel like that's all you need to know. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then Blake also tries to... I think it's funny that TJ calls him a Clarence Thomas wannabe, and then he is... And then uh, Blake tries to spy on a vet naked without her consent. Like, I was like, oh, that's that's clever. That's a clever nod from the writers. <laughs> Um, right. I don't even know if it was intentional, but I'm just going to assume that it was. It <laughs> was. Uh, to, I mean, speak on everything that was happening at the time. Um, uh, in terms of, like, Anita Hill. And, but there is, but, but this is the episode where mm, the B-plot is, like, Mo and Marcus. 
open up this barber shop uh, in the backyard uh, as like a as an assignment from school. And there, and the whole thing is like, yeah, they it's a barber shop. They're cutting hair, and um, so uh, when they so their hair cutting business gains in popularity, and Yvette comes to tell them. Um, that they need to be careful because her hairstylist, Jerome, um, is not, has heard about them and, and he's not particularly pleased with them cutting in on his territory. And uh, when Marcus and Mo laugh it off, they do this thing where they, and they make fun of Jerome, they, they do this thing where they like, make themselves really effeminate. Right. The, 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 the whole way that that was handled was very homophobic. Right. It's really homophobic. And I'm trying to, and the, and eventually the whole turn is that they're, they're being effeminate because they assume, right. That, you know, how tough can Jerome be? Because whatever these sort of ideas and then the turn is that Jerome comes in and he is like this big um, gold chain wearing uh, guy. Um, so it's not. So who could beat them up? And it's. Yeah, that was interesting to see, because when they were initially making fun of Jerome, I assumed like a normal person that they'd actually met Jerome before. But no, what they did wasn't was doubly homophobic because not only were they like mocking him in these homophobic ways, they assumed that anyone who cut women's women's hair had to be gay. Right. Or effeminate or weak or whatever. And then it turns out that like, nah, he can beat your ass though. <laughs> that was super interesting to watch. Right. And maybe this is me reading way too much into it. <laughs> But the way, so Jerome, when you, when we, when we finally see Jerome, he's this big guy. He's like in all, um, he's wearing like this leather cut over a black t-shirt with like a gold, the big gold chain. And he's like bald. But I, but part of me like immediately. So like when I, when he's presented in that way, I thought like, oh, like is the joke, like, like obviously the joke is he can beat their ass. But I was like, oh, is there something going on there? Of Like, are they trying to be like, oh, he's like a bear? Because, you know, like leather culture and like. Um, yeah, bear, I don't think the bear. writers thought I don't, that deep. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just me. Like, because I was like, oh, was that like, because I was like, oh, well, that could be. But I'm like, no, I don't think that was intentional. <laughs> it would have been cool if he was gay and he still beat their ass. As, I would have liked that. Right? Because I was in like, well, then that would have been like a really good turn. Right? Mm-hmm. that like if you could and that's what I thought it was like oh are they still signaling like that he's queer but that like oh no he can like beat their ass but I I think that's just me over reading yeah, into things um, I, I think like the turn was ah oh, he's not gay after all um which uh, is they could have done better yeah could have done better, yeah, done better. <laughs> you do you did so well with the race stuff like we could have. They do really well with race stuff. They do really well with gender stuff. They gender do really stuff. Well with things concerning consent and autonomy and maturity versus intellect. They do really good with family dynamics. Um, it can't be perfect. It can't be perfect. But, um, I do think that 
you know, this show aired when initially aired in 1997, 23 years later, I would expect a reboot to, to tighten that shit up to tighten. Yeah. Just to tighten that last part up. But what they did get right, like they got very correct. Um, and I will say like, I do think it's significant. I, at least to me, it's extremely significant that in all the seasons, this is literally their only slip up. Right. Right. And 51 episodes, y'all fucked up one time. Good job. Right. Good job. One out of 51 is definitely, or excuse me, 50 out of 51 is very much a passing grade. Very much pass. Um, uh, I also will say there's, there's an episode also where, and this is like the, like a super quick thing I am going to say, uh, TJ writes a letter to president Clinton telling him that he's bullshit for the welfare reform bill. So people, we knew that shit was fucked even back then. I love how TJ would be the one to write this because one of the things that I've seen about shows where with very intelligent people, and this is across racial boards, um, when they have a show with a highly intelligent character, they always code that character as also being a conservative. Like they're too smart to be a liberal. They're too smart to be a feminine feminist. They're too smart to care about um, poor people or the incarcerated um, shows in across the board always try to make it seem like intelligent people are conservatives, which I don't like. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, because you know, it's, 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 it's all of those, it's all of those below average or stupid people who are always so emotional who, who care about like other people's rights and shit, right? When you are smarter and you're less emotional and I hate, hate that other shows do this as well. They always show these like emotion, emotionless robots and try to make that seem intelligent. Um, like when you get smarter, you become less emotional and that makes you like conservative. And I hate, I hate, hate, hate that archetype. No, I, I fuck with that. And like, I, I commiserate that on that, even in the, even in the sense of like, um, uh, uh, particularly what you're, what you're that word rational, like, or it's like, oh, well, if you are rational about the situation, I'm like, well, what do you, what is rational? Like, you know what I mean? What is right. that? And really? why, why is, why is, um, why is a high intellect or in many cases, just being a cishet white man automatically the litmus that we use for what rational is. Right, what, exactly. Why is emotionless used as a barometer? It's because you're not passionate about something doesn't mean that you're right. <laughs> it, exactly, exactly. Um, and how somehow it would be more or somehow it would be more whatever if if you if you were emotionless about the situation, um, whatever whatever bullshit they're trying to, whatever bullshit they try to to ascribe to whatever. Yeah, we stand TJ our social justice king, because um, that crime bill was bullshit. The welfare reform was bullshit. Bullshit. Um, and. Um, I'm really happy too that this was pulled into the plot because they really had no reason to pull it into the plot. TJ is 10 years old after all. And as smart as he is, the show making him um, care about politics was, I think, a very bold move. Yes, 
That is no, exactly. Like it is really bold because in particularly in such super light fare like this, that would be such a big no, no. Like, you know what I mean? Right. And he's 10 or 11 by this point. So it's like, y'all didn't even need to do this episode because I would have completely understood if the 11 year old did not care <laughs> about, right. about, about federal politics at all. <laughs> at all. Um, and I mean, I think, I think in this time period, even inserting any politics into anything. Um, yeah, it's very taboo now, it's right? It's very taboo. It's very like, uh, it, yeah, it's very taboo. Very, um, okay, you're going to do this. Are we doing this? We're doing this. Um, cause like we talked about like back then, like it could end careers. Now it's like, mm, now it's expected, but like back then, like, people's careers ended over stuff like this. Absolutely. And, and he's writing this letter to Clinton, the democratic president, that could be, that's a risk that could have just been, that could have been incredibly polarizing to their target demographic, black families. Right. Um, because even though black people were most affected by this, black people loved and still love Bill Clinton. Right. Black people of a certain age. I mean, now it's, it's different, but even now, like black people of of a certain age, um, I think what most people would describe as, um, black people of, you know, the important ages, uh, still politically love Clinton, like love him. They, they don't, they don't, um, it's not that they don't get what he did wrong. They just don't care. Uh, so. <laughs> Obama. <laughs> um, um, and with that said, uh, season three. How how do we grade season three? I'm gonna give it a good minus just from that homophobia off that one episode. Literally, that's the only reason why. But it's still a good season. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a good minus as well for the for the same reasons. But this series is um, it's really it's formidable. It's still very good. It's aged surprisingly well, like no cap. It's so good still. Right. Like we were talking about how it was in syndication everywhere and like, and for the longest time, for a really long time. And and it makes sense. It makes sense that it would be. Yeah. It's never stopped airing. (laughs) I think that's why I corrected myself in the beginning when I was talking about, oh, this show aired. No, it was released at that time, but it's like literally never um, stopped airing. So this, let's talk about the show syndication really quickly. It was off air for exactly three months. That's the only time since it originally aired that it's been off air. It was off air for three months after the WB canceled it. Then Disney Channel picked it up and ran it from um, September 1999 until December 2003. And then they brought it back for the Back to School Marathon in September 2004. In Canada, the show aired on the, sh- the network Family um, until 2007, when it was finally replaced by Wizards of Wa- Waverly Place. Uh, it's, it aired and still continues to air on Disney Channel UK. And that's they never stopped getting those smart guy checks. <laughs> <laughs> which is like, which is probably why they, everyone sort of like low key, just been, just been very happily quiet. Um, Shout out to Jason Weaver, I mean, particularly, who just made some excellent choices uh, with not only Smart Guy, but then 
uh, Lion King royalties and, and I'm sure lives an extremely comfortable life. And our boy Taj Mahari went on to great things. He went on to play another super genius, Wade Lode. He was the voice of that character on Kim Possible. Right. Um, he's right. still acting. He's on the. He was on the live action series Baby Daddy. Um, oh yeah, he was on that, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, he was one of the. He was one of the besties. Oh gosh, I totally forgot about that show. That right, show was right, goofy. Right. Um. Right, but you know, that's it. Uh, Smart guy was incredible. It did incredible things. Um, love the girls. Love the kids. And there you have it, folks. This is everything that we think made Smart Guy good, bad, basic, and oh so nostalgic. If you'd like to check out or relive this new classic, Smart Guy is currently streaming on Disney+. Please let us know your thoughts on this series via our Twitter or Instagram. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. Tune in next week when we'll be discussing the urban mystery drama, one of the first Disney Channel original series, So Weird. This series is currently streaming on Disney+. Plus. If you'd like to check it out or refresh your memory before then. Follow The Good, The Bad, The Basic on all major podcast platforms to listen to all of our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and at Good Bad Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also be sure to follow our SoundCloud page, The Good, The Bad, The Basic. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our regular weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.